following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled Polite Laughter with Wes Argus. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. National Public Radio presents Polite Laughter with Wes Argus. Your public radio comedic roundtable featuring news, trivia, and if we're lucky, a couple quite humorous slice of life anecdotes and maybe, just maybe, a bon mot or two. We are coming at you live with a studio audience of zero. That's right, people. It looks like we tied the attendance records of Trump's Tulsa rally. We are coming to you live today from the legendary Wesleyan Garden, an iconic theater right at the center of the campus at Wesleyan University. So many things that are great have happened here. It is right here where the remarkable David Sedaris first compared smoking a cigarette to taking your lungs to the DMV. It is right here where the first comic of Doonesbury was ever written, a record-breaking event where the first cartoon character ever said the word penis. It is on this very stage that the genius himself, Mo Rocca, first asked who the ad wizards were that came up with that one. And just backstage, you'll find the very spot where Paula Poundstone first discovered jackets with shoulder pads. Also, Garrison Keillor did a bunch of stuff backstage that we are not allowed to talk about. (laughs) Such amazing energy on this stage. And today, I am lucky enough to be graced by equal talent and witticism. Joining me here today is my two panelists, Byron Rosewood and Brooks Myrtle. Hello, gentlemen. Yes, hello, Wes. Uh, I'm Byron Rosewood. Um... I consider myself something of a humorist. Uh, Around these parts, they know me as sort of a gadfly. You know, they invited me on 27 years ago, and I've just never left. (laughs) Brooks, you're looking amazing today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, I'm sure none of you know who I am. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Oh, stop. Well, I'm glad to be on here. I also host a segment on NPR that discusses film, the show For Your Consideration. We have many guests on there, but not to toot my own horn. We're here to talk with Wes and, um, you know, maybe talk about some current events. We got a lot to cover. We got a lot to cover today. I'm excited. Now, support for this podcast and the following message comes from the Mickey Rooney Foundation for well-meaning, basically harmless comedic racism. Back in my day, a man used to be able to dress up as another man, and no one would complain to me because, you know, they lived in worse neighborhoods. Thanks, Mickey. Let's get to some of the news of today. Stock prices took a nosedive Wednesday amid fears that another spike in the coronavirus could force the economy into another lockdown. Last time I saw a nosedive like that, it was just Donald Trump walking up some stairs. (laughs) White House insiders state that while Donald Trump did stumble, uh, he did it on purpose because he was impersonating his approval rating. Oh, I dare say that's quite humorous. The Supreme Court has ruled that it's illegal to fire someone for being gay. Reports from the Kremlin state that immediately after, Putin called Trump to celebrate. This marks a major milestone for civil rights groups who were, 
It turns out, surprise, that the conservative court ruled in their favor, leading to much speculation about what exactly was happening under those big black ropes. Ruth Bader Ginsburg commented later to the press that Colin Kaepernick was a thug for some reason. Former Trump advisor John Bolton is releasing a tell-all book about his time in the Trump administration. He reports that Trump was fixated on investigating Joe Biden's son, Hunter, for his business deals in the Ukraine. And it turns out Trump wasn't just jealous of Joe for having a non-mutant son. He alleges that Trump was motivated by not Kofifi, but re-election. Reportedly, the president wanted the, to prevent Bolton's book from being released. But unfortunately, it turns out that Bolton's book didn't have a pussy that Trump could grab. The president is set to go to Poland as his first overseas trip since the pandemic began. While the president admitted that he was excited to go vroom vroom on the airplane, he was more excited to build what he dubbed a Fort Trump inside of Poland as he claims he has very good relations with Polish President Duda. Uh, those close to the president say that Trump hasn't been this excited to see a Duda since Putin. And with more current events, here we have Byron Roseward. Yeah, so this was a uh, local story that some of our Terra Hot listeners may be familiar with, but for those in our national audience, um, just as a little background, this has been a particularly arid summer in the Terre Haute woods, and a number of wildfires have engulfed the area. Uh, when asked about a, the blaze, President Trump had some rather incendiary remarks. It all began when the House Committee on Appropriations this week failed to pass a bill out of committee addressing funding to fight the fires, much to the consternation of Congresswoman Betty McCollum, chair of the Interior, Environment, and Related Agencies Appropriations Subcommittee, when she remarked that Trump-aligned Republicans on her subcommittee were acting rather insouciant regarding this wildfire relief. <laughs> President Trump fired back. Horrible woman. Horrible. The failed Democrat Congress is at it again. Well, it seems Mr. Trump has fire in the belly, but this kind of scorched earth politics does not help the people of Terre Haute. And while we're talking blazes, maybe the fire-eyed commander-in-chief should look at his, what his smoke and brimstone rhetoric has done to the White House, which is more like a dumpster fire, which is in flames, and indeed he is burning down the house. Well, Mr. Trump, this November, we the people may or may not decide to fire you depending on the outcome of a free and fair election. That's great. That is wonderful reporting there, I'm sorry Byron. if I got a little worked uh, up. but So uh, clever. Oh, no, no, no. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Ancestry.com. Every family has a story. Bring yours to life with Ancestry. An Ancestry DNA test can tell you where your ancestors are from. Our listeners have shared their unique family trees with us, and we've seen lineages all over the world. Our listeners have submitted histories from Poland, the Ukraine, Russia, Germany, England, Ireland, Poland again, France, the Ukraine, Poland, England. And one of our viewers was even to, able to track their lineage all the way to Spain. It was, well, very northern Spain, you know, Navarre, Basque area, right on the border there with France. But Spain, nonetheless, what exotic, interesting place do your relatives come from? 
Do you have any tiny bit of African-American in you that you can use to get out of trouble in online arguments? Find out with Ancestry.com today. Uh, Gentlemen, have you guys yourselves uh, tracked your family tree at all? Well, you know, my last name is Roseward, so I don't think it would be quite as much of a tree as perhaps a bush. (laughs) I think I can track my family all the way to the exotic western Massachusetts. Ooh. Uh, If I'm looking for my family, I'm going to the crazy house, I think. Because, you know, any Thanksgiving I have there, I just see nut after nut after nut. Oh, like a squirrel. Exactly. So check out Ancestry.com today. Wes, I think I met a few of your family members when I went to the circus. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure they did great tricks. Don't knock it till you try it, Brooks. I'm sure you have to do some acrobatics yourself when you discuss politics at the dinner table. Oh, well, you know, my very wealthy (laughs) Massachusetts family, they can be quite sticklers when it comes to some of these candidates. Uh, Wes is undoubtedly the ringmaster of this freak show. (laughs) I I feel like if I brought that up at the dinner table, all we would be eating would be a can of worms. Oh, that would not taste very good. Uh, (laughs) Certainly not. Brooks, I understand that you have some current current news events for us as well. A season ripe with spurn. (laughs) This year has enjoyed a never-before-seen degree of unrest in the world, namely in the United States. With the rise of the coronavirus pandemic, people have become increasingly more anxious, aimless, and demoralized to a point of breaking. Dogs and cats you might have found cute and happy to see upon returning home from a sapping day in the office have become your colleagues in the work-from-home situation. Except you're still obligated to actually feed them intentionally, and not by way of the wonted lunch heist. Finding a new item to place behind you in the latest Zoom meeting may prove taxing. Should it be Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? Or should it be the dancing Santa Claus you unearthed from the boxes your mother-in-law sent you two years ago? Perhaps at night you have dreams of visiting your favorite cafe spot once more. To sit down inside with the homespun decor and small tables. To enjoy a three-berry tart in a Don DeLillo novel that remains a story (laughs) and not almost identical to our strange times we currently live in. It is a time when kindness towards others means staying away and not showing a smile, but in turn covering it. Where handshakes have gone the way of Latin and barriers in public places form small safety checkpoints for every single person to develop claustrophobia as a tiny sacrifice for the duty of social contract. Who would ever thought that rejection would make one feel so relieved? You know, as we digest, you know, not only the isolation from the pandemic by the pandemic themselves, I've noticed that there's been lots of crazy new developments. Did you guys understand that there are some people who are having Tinder dates while in isolation? Have you ever heard of such a thing? Tinder sounds like it could spark the flames that this president has set the White House on. All right, Byron, you did the flame one like... Yes, All but right. Tinder's got, just a word. You're not gonna keep when t- I hear a word yeah. like Tinder, I think fire. I, my imagination just well, runs about, wild like a fire. I would imagine that a Tinder date at this time would not be hard to find a, di- a table for two. Oh, yes. 
I, I imagine, you know, the maitre d might be something along the lines of Clippy from Microsoft Word. How are you two <laughs> getting along? Wouldn't that be nice to have that come with the, you know, I haven't seen dates like this where no one's expected sex at all since I was dating as an undergrad. <laughs> Perhaps you could light a candle on at, Zoom. At Wesleyan, I might add. <laughs> Wesleyan University. <laughs> in Is Central, that where you went, Wes? Central Connecticut. Yes, I'm here at my alma mater here and, you know, finally got to sell out this uh, theater, even though the admission max was zero. It still counts. I haven't been here since my improv days. We used to pull in dozens of people and not all of them were staff. And now you're streaming to hundreds Oh, yes, yes. It's it's quite an exciting time we live in to feel like the big man on campus when everyone is cloistered behind their MacBook computer cooking HelloFresh dinners that they've gotten delivered by a lower class person. Uh, interesting times. Interesting times. It makes times. you think, brings to the mind times of old considering radio. When mm -hmm. folks were in their homes afraid of nuclear war from breaking out or, you know, a current war going on, they would sit at home or on the radio and listen to the shows. They'd use their minds for the stories. And this way they got connected while in the safety of their home with their family. Times like this makes you think, are we going forward or backward? Is it for better or for worse? Should we all just go to the Lake of the Ozarks and sip on a Budweiser beer? Or should we just stay put, locked up in our little cages for six, seven months? Truly, it's hard to say what the correct move is nowadays. Well, but Wes and Brooks, I had a rather humorous thought that perhaps oh, for some of us... share. Perhaps maybe a... Maybe a bon mot? Oh, indeed. It, it may head that direction because perhaps for some of us, these times are not all too different. Take, for example, Santa Claus. In fact, his routine has always been to visit us in our homes and deliver presents to our door, much like uh, DoorDash is now doing. You could almost say that DoorDash is Santa Claus of every day, much like the Amazon delivery drivers or the UPS drivers. If you want to ask, what can Brown do for you? Well, in this time, it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. Yeah. You know, I was having a conversation with my wife the other day. Not so much a conversation as a series of quotations of smarter people that we just kind of say back and forth to each other. A little bit of Sedaris. And, you know, here and then, you know, from the corrections and Franzen and, and Zadie Smith and the like. And as we exchanged these jests back and forth, I, I, I my mind wandered to the, just the immense network of people that are much less wealthy than me, completely supporting my existence as I get paid ridiculous sums of money to make jokes about Doonesbury. <laughs> to an army of balding men. It truly is a remarkable time that we live in. 
And as I come from this, support for this podcast and the following message comes from HelloFresh. I don't know about you, but I like it when my food tells a story. HelloFresh is a fun, funky, and fun home chef experience sent right to your door. It really streamlines the entire process of cooking. You don't have to get those ingredients. You guys remember going to the grocery store, having to look at an onion and try to see if it's a good onion or a bad onion. Like, hello, I'm judging an onion. Ridiculous. They take all of that away from it and just send you everything already peeled, already cut, and you just kind of plug it in like a bunch of Legos. It's really perfect for a mom on the go who likes to remind everyone in her life how busy she is so that she can be thanked more for what she does. So guys, sign up for HelloFresh today, a big sponsor of the podcast who has helped us out a lot. That was a very relatable advertisement. You know, when I go to the grocery store and I'm looking at those imperfect onions, I'm also wondering, where do they come from? Where do they come from? I want something local, you know? And I think it would be quite humorous if the FDA sent a census taker to the grocery store to do a census of the fruits and vegetables saying, oh, you come from France? Okay, yes. You come from England? Oh, magnificent. That would be quite humorous. Now, you're, what grocery store are you going to that you're getting vegetables from France and England there? Well, they don't label them, so I'm not really sure. That's why I stopped eating fruits and vegetables a while ago. Well, I always knew you were crazy about Whole Foods, if you don't mind humoring me here. Oh, yeah, yeah guilty as charged. Um, what's, your, what's your famous joke about how much money you spend at Whole Foods? Well, you know, sometimes I, I go to Whole Foods and I rack up maybe three, $400 on groceries. And, and I say to the cashier, who is uh, much younger and poorer than me, they should call this place Whole Paycheck. And see, it rings true for them because it would be their whole paycheck. <laughs> for me, right. I, I could afford more. It, it just seems like a oh, lot. Oh, most certainly. But most certainly. they can relate, so I think that might be humorous to tell them that. Every, As you every stock up there. on microwavable curry dinners. Yes. and it's, um, it's, it's funny how that works. You know, I, I prefer to drink a nice Topo Chico, as you can see I'm doing now. Oh, a nice. You're bottle. always drinking out of glass bottles, which I find very unique to your character. And um, as well as when you're vegetarian but only when it's convenient yeah um, and when i walk down the street you know with a topo chico in hand i pass by someone who might be drinking like a diet dr thunder or something like that and it kind of makes them maybe question some of the decisions they've made in their life why are they not being as healthy as me why are they not well, sourcing it, their drinks <laughs> dr thunder that's where i get my, i get all of my prescriptions from her oh I, yes many of these people who drink diet dr thunder probably think dr thunder is male because they make the assumption. Well, uh, you're, you're the type of man, Byron, that I know that if you took a single sip of Diet Dr. Thunder, I think your ascot would go be flying off of the oh, top of your head. Indeed. I find when I'm at the grocery store, you know how you see the vegetables and how every so often the, the pressure set up above them by the lighting will mist the vegetables to keep them fresh and green. And I wonder, it's funny how a grocery store can take care of its vegetables, but a president cannot keep its country taken care of. 
Um, I think President Trump has a coffee mug that says world's best president. That would disagree with you that he's not doing his job. I think the solution for 2020, being what it is, is probably a bipartisan coming together in finding a solution. But hey, I'm just a radio host. I'm just, yeah, waiting on that Liz Cheney to come forward and present that unification ticket. Um, not sure if it's going to happen because, um, you know, I think they should put a circus tent over the congressional building the way it's been going. Hey, you know, I'm surprised. Some of your family members probably live there. <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> I don't have any family members there with how crazy it's gotten. You know, people... People can say what they want about the Bush presidency and President George W. Bush, but at the end of the day, he has become an artist and a painter. And this current president, the only thing he's ever painted is his own face with Cheeto dust. I would say that he is a con artist. Ooh. Uh, the most nefarious the, type of artist. Perhaps the emperor doth have no clothes. It would seem so. He'd be naked. Like that famous story from my son watched it on Kung Fu Panda. I think it's from that. <laughs> he, the president, however you may feel about him, is seeking a very personal way of going about a presidency. I'm not sure if we should call it Trump's border wall or the Great Barrier Kofifi. <laughs> oh, that is rich. You know, that's one for the pledge drive right there. And speaking of that, i got to bring that up about three times an hour. Whatever money you guys got lying around, if you guys like to do a monthly pledge, if you guys have any other thing going around, it's time to give, right? Because we have a lot of great programming here, a lot of great shows. Excuse my condition with Bertrand Smiley, um, all the President's Men with Miles Whitlock, we have tons of great shows. What's your guys' favorite show on NPR? I would say that I'm quite fond of my own. <laughs> Jokes aside, <laughs> I've been listening more and more to Symbols and Slices with Rizzo the Rat. <laughs> oh, my, the best Italian-American podcast in the biz. He is exceptional. You know, I mean, I, I was a little bit... Um, taken aback when he came along. I didn't think that he would want to join the team, but he has he's no taken very well to in radio, and he is just a natural. To hear him, he will play those sort of slice of life field recordings of New York where you can hear people on the subway talking. You can hear people discussing even our shows in some of them. You can hear people chasing a meatball that rolled into traffic you can hear people discussing pizza slices and how big they are and how you have to fold them mm -hmm. you can hear them throwing their garbage onto the ground yeah right and on the feels, sidewalk there it feels very natural and then rizzo he has these amazing guests on there new york natives he had martin scorsese on two weeks yeah. ago woody allen well, he's a great interviewer, but like you were saying, he's at his best when he is at his most visceral, giving us the oh, yeah. sights and sounds and smells of the Italian-American barrios of New York City, New York. 
even when he was breaking down his mother's traditional cooking, I didn't know that it was common practice to put pads of butter on your feet and skate around the skillet as if it was an ice rink. Um, You know, and he's doing that and he's narrating it and how his mother cared for the sauce and how he had cheese for dinner almost every night, like a big block of cheese with a hole in it. And he's narrating that and he's talking about his dad's talking to his mom. And then all of a sudden the music drops and he's like, New York city has a heartbeat. And uh, I'm just amazing. Amazing. You're I, like I said, I'm taken aback. He had just last week, he had Bill de Blasio on who he actually grew up with and went to school with their childhood friends with apparently. Right. And they talk about, and this is really something I had nothing, I had no idea about this. They talk about the Italian shower where apparently you just fill a big wooden bucket with water and you dunk your head into it and you hold it there for as long as you can until you can't breathe. And then you don't have to wash for another month. And he said <laughs> all the kids in school had to get the shower. I mean, they're all Italian kids. Yeah. They're all running around. They're playing sports. They all have jobs on top of skipping school. And I thought, you know, this is really kind of a whole different world. A lot of people don't know about and the struggles that they went through. It is remarkable, the stories that we hear out of his show. Now, if you guys donate and are able to get it before 6 o'clock tonight, upwards of $20, you're going to get the Nasty Woman tote bag. That's the NPR nasty woman tote bag there. It's got a it's got a picture of Maria Bamford on it. I don't is she a host now or is that this? Anyway, um you have that there. Um forty dollars, right? You're gonna get a ten dollar gift certificate to Whole Foods, but you're not allowed to get any Topo Chico. That's one I'm not sure exactly why. But one hundred dollars, you're going to get a signed copy of a David Sedaris book. You're going to get a headshot of the writer from Doonesbury, Gary Trudeau. And your name is going to be mentioned. It's going to be sped up, so it's about a sec, like half a second long, but it's going to be mentioned on the new show. Hey, I voted for the other guy by Doyle Bergstrom. So... Your name's on the radio, all this stuff. It's the right thing to do. I know there's all this stuff going on about, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and Corona, but we still need that that sweet, sweet cash. So don't be stingy, everybody. If you can if you can donate, give a little. If you enjoy programs like Considerable Considerations with Morgan Morgan, which always makes me ponder every time I hear it, then donating is of the essence at this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That amazing new show by Clint Howard about being white in America. Oh, it's crazy. I it, they, they only got him for one season, but uh, my white is just, it, it, it's going to be great. So, so try to donate what you can as, as we kind of go back to regular programming. Um, Methinks uh, the, Ken Burns has his eyes on a video adaptation of that particular series. I me thinks as well. If um, you donate $50 and upwards, you will get an exclusive access to a live tiny desk concert by the black keys. For those of you who do not know the black keys and are not familiar with them, do yourself a favor 
and donate $50. Everyone who said white guys cannot play the blues will be <laughs> shockingly surprised. All right. Now, Byron, I understand that you brought a treat for us today. Yes, uh, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, I am known for my radio plays. I would like to think that um, they're a slice of Americana topped off with a dash of humor, which, as we know, is more important than ever in these times. In these times, is yes. And you gotta laugh. The famous Rodney Dangerfield said, you gotta laugh. Uh, Mr. Dangerfield, he's an inspiration to all us humorists. But, um, <laughs> you know, people often say to me, Mr. Roseword, your name is quite floral. And I say, yes, but my prose is anything but floral. I find it to be rather <laughs> concise and admirable I, I in find, its brevity. I find the truth of yours to be caustic at times. Only, only at times, though. So this, this is a uh, character that probably most of our listeners are familiar with. His name is Detective Pinot Noir, and he's always solving little cases and doing these quirky <sighs> middle American things, you know? This one is called The Caper of the Inappropriate Poet. In a quiet bucolic town, where the men are all well-groomed, the women are of even temperament, and the children are cordial and punctual, there is a man whose peculiar profession is that of private eye, seeking the answers to the questions that life often poses to each of us, especially in such quiet and bucolic towns as these. His name is Detective Pinot Noir. On this day, the Ravinia Festival was to put on an outdoor poetry reading where local aficionados of the written word would gather to dine on picnic fare, <laughs> and sip oh, a nice bottle sucks. of Chianti. Glug, glug, glug. But Detective Pinot Noir was not here to enjoy the readings. He was investigating <sighs> a tip he had received about a caper. It seems an uninvited renegade poet planned to disrupt the evening's readings with poems of his own, raining on people's parades. Rain, rain. However... <laughs> There was no sign of the renegade poet before the evening's proceedings. A trumpeter came on stage to announce the beginning of the poetry <laughs> event. <laughs> A young poet from the Iowa Writers Workshop Terra Hot branch took the stage. The writer had on big boots, clonk, clonk, clonk. The poet was there to read a poem called The Warbler's Trestle. It seemed the warblers perched in the trees got a kick out of that, for they cried out, Chewit, 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 prrr, prrr. Then, upon the conclusion of the poem, Detective Pinot Noir noticed a shady figure moving around through the audience. One woman, a university orchestra teacher, dun-dun-dun-dun, like Beethoven, was taking a brie wheel out from her Whole Foods reusable tote, and maybe some Topo Chico, too, when she was struck by the rogue bard's unwelcome poetry. He approached the woman and began to read from a scroll of parchment. His poetry was quite bad, and it was not sonorous at all, and it did not have good-sounding words in it. It was less enjoyable than being able to hear the poetry on stage, quite a humorous situation if you ask me, and the woman's face displayed that she was unhappy. <laughs> Detective Pinot Noir was too late. The renegade has taken his first victim. Ah! 
But the veteran gumshoe was no rookie. He pulled from his pocket a book that was in there. It was an autographed original copy of Shakespeare's Henry VI, Part One. It was one of the first copies ever printed, presented by Shakespeare to one of his good high school buddies and autographed with the inscription, I'll never forget second period arithmetic with Miss Gleason. Ha <laughs> ha, crazy. See you next year, hags. Such a rare collector's item would appeal to any poet, renegade or not. Detective Pinot Noir laid the tome out on a picnic blanket with a bottle of Chianti and a Topo Chico and a nice wine, also a different wine, and also a wheel <laughs> of brie cheese and also a whole foods bag that was a reusable tote. He then hid whoosh, whoosh, behind a bush, bristle, bristle. Sure enough, the culprit took the bait and sprung for the bard's rare book, at which time our detective pulled a big net whoosh, over his head. Got you, poet, said Detective Pinot Noir. Blast, said the fiend. So, Mr. Poet, why did you do it? Detective Pinot Noir, I don't think you could ever understand. You're a wine guy, am I right? Well, said the detective, I do enjoy a nice French Pinot Noir in my free time, but only a glass. That's what I thought, said the poet. I'm a beer man myself, and that's how I lost my job as a professional poet, and this whole crazy thing started. My word, said the detective. You were fired for alcoholism? Gluck, 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 gluck. Heavens no, said the poet. You see, I prefer to drink a type of beer brewed in the Pajotenland region of Belgium, southwest of Brussels and in Brussels itself. I see, said the detective. And so how did you get fired? Well, said the poet, the department let me go. They said, you're a poet, right? But all you do is talk about beers that are lambic instead of writing words that are iambic. That is quite funny, said the detective. (laughs) The end. Well, Byron, that was simply amazing. Uh, I know that that, uh, your prose is uh, what you're known for, but you are definitely a pro when it comes to the prose. Yes, that, that one came to me when I was drinking a nice lambic beer myself that I had purchased from Whole Foods. And I was like, wouldn't it be quite odd if a poet who usually writes iambic was instead drinking lambic? That would just be delightful. That was the gem of the whole thing. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and, you know, very specific how you come up with like your creative process where you're just an observational humorist that just sits around and notice things and create. Truly remarkable. You know, I would consider my own work to be in the tradition of radio plays like they've had for generations. But I would also say that the way I'm rhyming and using these ideas is kind of like hip hop in a way, you know? Oh, it's definitely a lot like hip hop. I, I just I really love that you're able to keep doing what you're doing and we're able to put it here on NPR and that all of the tastemakers that kind of decide the humor on this show are guys that live in rent controlled apartments in Manhattan that have been there for three decades and they just write weird little jokes to prove how smart they are to each other and just constantly regurgitate them back and forth. It's such a universal art form that I'm just... I'm so excited that you were able to share that with us, Byron. You know, there's people out there with fewer educational opportunities than us who might hear these simple puns and these really stupid basic jokes about the president and think that this shit sucks, but they don't really have the subtlety 
required to sort of see the way that we're we're not overtly making jokes. This is humor. This is not comedy. Well, not everyone can go to Wesleyan, my friend. Uh, some poor slobs think, have to go to Yale. I believe that it's not just these older groups and these people who are long stewing within the intellectual sphere. Um, you know, men who make bets throughout the years seeing who amongst them and their friends can include the words foreboding and strange within a title of, you know, pieces they publish. Um, the younger crowds, I think, are starting to pick up on these kinds of, you know, little um, morsels inserted within the writing. It is not for people that feel sad. It is for people that suffer from a malaise, so to speak. Well, it's time to take care of some business and grease my palms a little bit as I read another advertisement from one of our wonderful supporters. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from HarperCollins Publishers, one of the largest publishing companies in the world. Do you want to read a book by a 26-year-old who has never, ever had a job? It's about him imagining what his great-grandparents were like when they came to America, and for some reason he has them fuck a lot, and fuck in weird ways, and sometimes fuck weird stuff. Not your style? Well, maybe you can purchase a Zadie Smith book you can buy and never read, and use and put out in your living room to prove you're not racist. Well, what about something more timely? How about a non-fiction book about, like, a pill epidemic or something? The cover could have a bunch of pills on it so everybody knows what it's about. And it could have a title that's ten words long. HarperCollins has got you covered. Check out some of these great classics today. And that reminds me, um, in two hours, make sure to stick around for our new literature podcast that's going to be premiering. Um, it's the Alt-Lit No Condoms Hands-Free Party Hour presented by Tao Lit. So that's going to be coming up in just two hours. So stay tuned, everybody. You know, I, I mention this every week, but uh, perhaps I should be given a book show because I have two little terriers. One of them is named Harper. The other is named Collins. Ooh, I have um, two dogs myself. One is named Captain Moby and the other one is Dick Whale. Oh, that is quite unexpected now, and humorous. Now, I understand that, Brooks, you received a great letter from one of our listeners. Is that true? That's true, Wes. I do a segment called Between Two Coasts, a little bit of a slice of life from listeners who write to me, and I like to read what they have to say, and it kind of brings us back and brings us down in a kind of shifts our perspective to the fact that life goes on regardless of the situation of the greater world. This is from Thelma F. Dear Brooks, my son is not without patience. For many years, he has maintained the same routine process of hunting, a task he is quite well known for. Every single day, he heads out before sunrise in his same hunting clothes and hat, with his rifle in hand, often cradled upon his shoulder like the child he never had. Through years of experience in tracking and locating his game, my son will always find what he is looking for. However, 
After all of this time, after all of the hours, days, years spent in the thick grass or in the looming shadows of the oak trees, my son has never killed any animal. Despite numerous, nearly fatal, injuries of stepping upon traps, falling into holes, and accidental firing of his own rifle on himself, he continues to pursue his own goal. He is merely three foot five. <laughs> but with his large brown hat and his undying spirit, he stands tall. My son is not without patience, but he is without hair. Is that, is, oh, I'm sorry. Is that, is that the whole thing? That's, That's the whole thing, isn't that? Thank you, Thank Thelma. you, Thelma uh, F. He has no hair, huh? Well, how did that story make you feel, Brooks? Well, I think it's almost... Um, you know, an analog for all of us as Americans. We keep pushing and moving forward and what we want is in sight. Even if we can't get it, we keep trying. And that's more important than ever in these times we live in. More than ever. I, 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 I you know, I'm going to be honest, uh, Brooks, the, the first half of that you were reading, I, I, I really thought, I think I got my wires crossed and I thought that it was like a Byron style, like gallivanting jest fiction thing. And I was, I kept waiting for the jest or a bon mot or, or, or perhaps a witticism to crop up, uh, uh, just sitting there. I wasn't waiting to laugh, but I was waiting at the edge of my seat for a nice mirthy chuckle so to speak. And sometimes that sincerity, you know, hits you like a softball to the nuts on America's funniest home videos. And, 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 and I, I, I truly was caught off guard. Well, I don't, is she talking about like hair upon his head? Is she talking or about if it hair was as a boy or I, I assume the, the, the three foot two man was a birthing, Age as she compared his rifle to the son he never had, which could be a point of reverence for the rifle, or it could be perhaps a nod to classical ideas of masculinity. I mean, if we look at the world today, we have the most one of the most insecure masculine figures of all time and in president Donald Trump, you know, not to speak of he who should not be named again later in the show, but I almost feel like Harry everything Potter. comes. Yes. Harry Potter. That's why they call him. And these times with, with a leader with such dishonesty, you can recognize as millions of other Americans can recognize that he has been wearing a mask long before COVID. Mm. Mm, yes. Interesting. A, point. Cl a clown mask. Some would say. Sim perhaps he got fired from the circus. Your family works in. Perhaps, <laughs> oh. perhaps, perhaps I will wake up one day and re realize that my name is West Trump <laughs> and that the Thanksgiving table we have bickered over has turned to be, uh, in the middle of none other but the widest of houses at 1400 and another Avenue. finger and another finger upon the monkey's paw curls yes well gentlemen i uh, uh uh hate to interrupt such a raucous conversation but it is this time on polite laughter that we perform the tweetess of delphi 
and we're all going to grab our smartphones and we're going to tweet out our major predictions. All right. And I always have the guests tweet them out so that we have evidence of this later. Now, we'll go over some hot topic issues that might get a little dicey, but I think I got just the two knuckleheads that are up for this. So, gentlemen, prediction number one. How quickly until we have racial harmony in America? My guess, one year from today. Call me an optimist. Well, I'm, I'm going to one-up you and put a specific date on it. January 20th, 2021 when Mr. President Joe Biden takes the oath of office. <laughs> Old Joe, people have been trying to take him down a peg and he simply refused to go down. And, and and that's that's inspiring. It seems like now if you look at the the polls, he has a 14 point lead. And Trump doesn't even pay attention to this because the only poll he notices is between somebody's legs and the Kremlin, if you know what I'm talking about. You guys know what I'm talking oh about, my. right? That, that is quite ribald. I know it's certainly not a barbershop poll because he's definitely not getting haircuts from an actual barber mm. with that hair of his. Well, it may not be a barbershop poll, but it is red because of Russia. I imagine every morning Donald Trump has his hair 3D printed up new. But don't sell don't say that out loud or he'll nosedive Air Force 1 right into this studio which is in the heart of the Wesleyan campus here in Central Connecticut, my alma mater. Now, Brooks when will we have racial harmony in America? There's a lot of protesting going on, and people are saying a lot of stuff about these protesters. When are they going to get what they want? Not to make it too political, but I would say that my prediction for racial harmony within this country will come on November 7th, when Donald John Trump is defeated by the next president of the United States. Oh, I thought you were going to name him. I was on the edge of my seat there, ready for a mirthy truckle. Whoever it may be. Got a long time to the convention. That's true. All right. Well, I was going to ask you guys to predict the election next, but that seemed to uh, step on Andrew it Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo? Okay, we got one for Cuomo. Byron, who do you have? I've made my position clear that Mr. President Joe Biden will be stepping into office next year and putting this country entirely back on track to where we were four years ago when this country was still great. I think Joe has always been on top of the game when it comes to race relations and understanding. He's promised to have an African-American woman be his vice president, but I don't think that's going to go far enough. Come the convention, my prediction, Joe Biden drops out, Cory Booker is going to run... He's going to legally change his last name. We should be so lucky. He's going to legally change his last name to Obama <laughs> in order to suck up a lot of votes from middle America. And he's going to go on to be the best dang president this country has ever seen. That's my prediction. If I were to have a perfect world, you can have him, Gover Governor Cuomo, and Joe Joseph Biden all serving as Trinity president. 
you know, in my dream world, uh, Cory Booker comes up to me on my 30th floor Manhattan apartment. We drink warm coffee, not hot, together at 2 p.m., and then we talk really close to each other's faces for about two hours discussing large tome-like novels. So that's my dream. I don't well, know. In these about times, you talking very close to someone seems like a dream. You know, I mean, we all remember the classic Seinfeld about the close that's your talker. Dream. <laughs> that's we remember your dream. the classic Seinfeld about the close talker. That seemed like a bad habit back then. But now I wish someone could talk close to me without a mask. You know, yeah. I, I miss people offering me a Tic Tac when I talk to them. As I lean in, as I've had my fourth cup of black coffee in my gigantic apartment. I miss that. I miss being able to put on my blazer and go out and get a coffee. I miss taking my blazer to my blazer repair shop that puts on a new patch on my elbow. And you know what? And I tell them, don't be shy to use that mustard colored patch. Because I like to have a little zest in my outfit, if you know what I mean. It's very professorial, I would say. The ascot has got to match the shoes, and everything's got to be tweed, even the belt. I don't know it how It brings to it. mind Chaplin's The Tramp, which you have a lot of that within you, my friend. <laughs> well, I hope only the part where it's a very well-regarded movie, and not that I am perhaps some sort of vagabond with my shoes resembling an open tin can. But, you know... Well, I'm you also have to remember he did indeed play adolf hitler so you could go that way as well and no one's really done it as well as him since then except perhaps donald trump that's true not really a joke but <laughs> i never could imagine adolf hitler with a tan until now mm -hmm. perhaps some kind of you know Cheeto Mussolini is something. I know that Stephen could work with his Drumpf campaign, but I feel like in order to really win 2020, we're going to have to come up with some childlike nicknames for this man who has done actual horrible well, injustices. But if we keep talking about him and Putin, see? or maybe talking about how his fake tan or hair, or how he drinks water, I think that's really how uh, Joe Biden wins in 2020. I want to see Joe Biden on that campaign stage talking tough to Mr. Trump. Like, Donald Trump, you pee-pee-poo-poo shitter. You fucking shit-ass shitter. You suck. <laughs> and I'm going to beat you. I wanted to hear some tough talk. I'd love to hear from some tough. Mr. Biden. I know, you know, Mr. Biden is known for that blue-collar rhetoric. You know, that's why I want to see some of that fire and brimstone on the stage. You know, he's never been afraid of controversy. He's never been afraid to mix it up. You know, he's spent the last 10 years defending, you know, Delaware having a Robert E. Lee High School in a predominantly African-American neighborhood. It's been a weird hill to die on, and a lot of people have criticized him for it, as they should have. But you have to admit, it shows some sort of moxie that he is just not the, you know, I'm going to do whatever I do to get elected kind of guy. I recently had on the music series I host on repeat, I had a guest, Michael Jolette, from the Airborne Toxic event on the show, 
who is one of the least favorite fans of the president. And we were discussing his presidency and a lot of the music heads will get it, but maybe some won't, but being Trump is orange and a landlord we came up with a nickname for him, Sonny D Real Estate. Ooh, that's not oh. bad. That's not bad at all. All right, gentlemen, to our last prediction of the evening. How much longer are we going to be isolated in our fantastic apartments, not able to go to our favorite restaurants like Trust or Troost or 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 uh, or tourist. Or tourist. What about Cane and Kettle? Can we go there? Can we go to Bowls and Beyond? Can we go to, you know, the Wust Plate? When are we going to be able? Can we go to Can we go to Song and Somber? Can we go to Pig and Prognostication? When am I going to be able to get a cup of coffee at at Mr. Java's Emporium? You know, a little downtown diner that they filmed Seinfeld at. When am I going to be able to do this stuff? Or coffee and beans? My prediction. The coronavirus will be cured by the one man in Trump's arsenal that I do like. Dr. Fossey, who I assume, similar to the Dr. Thunder conundrum, that Dr. Fossey is a woman. I assume that she is going to be able to cure COVID-19 by the beginning of the new year. I feel like she is doing some spy work. It feels like some 007 film. I think that she is probably getting all the dirt on him on top of solving this crisis. I think, you know, Dr. Fossey is in there with our Mango Mussolini, with with our Cheeto Kofifi president, and she is doing the science. She's running the numbers. You know, she's surgeoning the general, giving the generals all the surgery they need. And she is figuring out just what this needs. And she's playing the game nobody else wanted to play. And for that, I admire Dr. Fossey. Uh, amazing, beautiful woman. You know, I think she will stay on board with the next administration. And I'm just going to say, I'm going to give you a date yet again, January 20th. 2021 that's when covid will end for good when mr president joe biden is sworn in with the oath of office wait so you're saying that he will him getting elected covid will just go away i'm thinking an executive order day one declaring covid illegal get it out of here (laughs) we're gonna listen to our doctors we're gonna tell covid get out of here. We're going to be decent to one another. And I think it'll probably just leave when it sees us getting along. It's probably just going to leave. Perhaps the virus was in our hearts rather than our lungs and the other areas that it affects. You know, you you think about how 2020 has been going with all this Trump stuff, right? And then, Oh, COVID came along and then all this police brutality. It's almost like, Hey, stop the planet. I want to get off. Do you guys ever feel like the writers on 2020 have gone crazy at the end of the season? I feel like that before this virus, we had a much dangerous virus already brewing and will probably be here until it's eliminated by the next president. And it's called Trumpism. Can I give you a prediction on when that's going to end too? Yes. January 20th, 2021, when President Joe Biden takes the oath of office. 
All right, let's get to our last sponsor here for the day. Well, you know what? Before, I, I hate to hold up one of our sponsors, but I have a personal prediction that I just wanted to kind of plug. Oh, please. If I make one, may make one more prediction If you will allow here. me to piggyback and make a, a prediction as well, according to your prediction. Oh, sure. Well, uh, you know, I was mentioning my dogs, Harper and Collins, earlier. It's kind of ironic because I predict I will be putting out a book with Penguin later this year. Oh, you know, congratulations. Been a lot of, oh, wow. A lot of diet books out there, but no one's ever quite done a humorous diet book like what you're about to see from me. Interesting. That sounds like a lot of people would want that, like a comedy diet book. Yeah, because dieting's boring. It's hard. We don't like to do it, but with a little yeah, humor. But people love to laugh. They love to laugh. So I just want to plug my prediction that apple pies and alibis, hey, my excuse is that I'm hungry. What's yours? Oh. It's coming this October. You can pick one up the week before you vote to get this president out of office. Excellent. All right. Well, I predict that that's going to be a New York Times bestseller. Well, thank you very much. All right. That is, that is a fantastic prediction. Gentlemen, as we wrap up today, I would like to remind the viewers that support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wesleyan University. Have you ever wanted to go to a private liberal arts university that is basically if they took the comic strip Doonesbury and made it into a large college campus through just metaphor or maybe just imagineering? It's essentially the comic strip Doonesbury uh, as a large college campus. If that sounds like a cool or like a good thing to you, we could use just the type of pussy like you are here at Wesleyan University, where it's basically like the school from Harry Potter, but with less black people. So come to Wesleyan <laughs> today. We're not sure exactly what you learn here, but don't worry. Your parents are rich enough that you will be successful even after goofing off using the word theory for 10 semesters straight here oh, bless you all right well, a little bit a little bit of humor really? right there natural humor a couple mm -hmm. sneezes and i feel like now that's a good time to cut away as we might want to run from those covid sprays that are going around here <laughs> well thank you for having us on Wes. oh it has been my pleasure everyone i'd like to thank my guests brooks myrtle and bryron roseward for coming in with some great content, some great laughs. Well, not laughs, but everyone's chuckled and everyone's had a good time. At so least we're a smirk, I assume. Oh, I hope so. And that's been a great, great, great episode. But make sure to stay tuned. We have a pledge drive going on. And next up is the hit show, Excuse My Cognition, with Bertrand Smiley. So everyone, listen to some very, very light jazz, like white people jazz music as we transition over and you'll hear a nice soothing probably female voice get you ready for the next show have a good night everyone and remember i forgot what i was gonna say this is wes argus with polite laughter 